Welcome to another episode of So What Wednesday. I am your host, Benny Dillon. Uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, the goal here is to break down trends that we see in GovCon and in technology. And really the goal is to get to the so what, which is sometimes the hardest question to ask, but one of the most simple ones. Every week I'm joined by someone a lot smarter than me, thank God, to help answer these questions because I, I can't do them. This week, our guest is Mr. Tony P. And I always call him Tony P and everybody else calls him Tony P. But I'll actually let him introduce himself and say his last name so I don't screw it up. Tony, you want to take a minute? Tell us about your background and also um, your current role and definitely pronounce your last name for everybody. Yeah, no, no, no worries. It's Anthony Pilater is my is my full name. Anytime it's in print, you'll see Anthony Pilater. But I have everybody's just always called me Tony P and I've just stuck with it. As a matter of fact, Snay Hall gets mad at me. You know, you're the CTO of a company now. You can't be introducing yourself as Tony P. He always gets mad at me, but I'll always be Tony P. Yeah. So I'm the CTO and co-founder for Horizon 3 AI. Uh, we are a SaaS providing uh, automated attack uh, and vulnerability assessment of your security controls on the inside, on the outside of your environment, and looking at your environment as a whole, vice focusing in on individual vulnerabilities. We look at weaknesses, uh, we look at CVEs, we look at um, uh, misconfigurations, and we chain all of these things together all automatically. It's no consultants, no agents, we're agentless, we don't cheat at all. Uh, we are showing you the attacker's perspective of your environment, and we find that that's, that's really, really uh, something that's missing in a lot of environments. And not to blow uh, Tony's head up too much, but I consider Tony one of the few people that knows the technology side, the mission side, and really importantly nowadays, the policy side, and how you tie those three things together and make it easy to understand for the rest of us. And I, I count myself in that rest of us because... God knows I don't know this stuff as well as he does, but that that policy piece, the technology piece, and then ultimately how it supports the mission is what I think, Tony, you do and have done really well kind of throughout your career. So I'm really glad to have you. I, I appreciate you agreeing to do this. And um, with that, I'm going to jump right into some of the questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do it. So, you know, we, we talked last week in, in our a previous episode of this around automation, and we talked about it in the general sense, right? More of what is automation? What does it allow you to do? And it's more of a practice area, right? It's a concept that you can apply to different things. If we take that one step further and how you guys are applying it, Horizon, if you don't mind, take us through kind of that founding thesis of why you guys founded the company, how you got to this point, because I think that's really important for everyone to understand is the kind of the why you got here, that original thesis, and then we'll talk through the rest. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, and to, to be frank and honest, the whole concept of the company, of the approach of what we were doing, it all came out of frustration. You know, uh, we had all the organizations I've been in, we've had all the tools, we had all the agents, we had all the logs, we, we had all of this information, but we never knew if we were making progress in our security. There was no way to know because we're defending against the unknown unknowns, right? We brought together, you know, we, we built a, a, a new flow for how we were going to approach cybersecurity uh, in, in, in the organization and uh, brought in a red team. We thought we were gonna be good. We brought in a red team and they were a really good red team, very well-known red team. And I spent, I don't know how many hours working through all of the critical vulnerabilities that we, we, we thought we had uh, and, and fixing those things and highlighting them and mitigating them. Come to find out that this red team was able to leverage 
lows and mediums and chain them together to get domain administration, to move all the way up the stack with things that are so far down on the list uh, of what we thought mattered that we didn't even look at them because we were focused up here at the ones that had the purple around them. Well, come to find out it's, it's, a, it's because the way we were approaching it was that those results that we found were lacking context about our environment. And the red team prioritized it, the output was beautiful, and it showed the impact of what could happen in our environment, how they were leveraging these things in our environment, and how policy failed to find those components of it. You talked about policy. And it really helped us figure out how we shift, how we could shift the economics of an attack back in our favor by focusing on those things. Brilliant. Yes, let's, yes, we're going to do that. We So, hey, we're going to fix those things. And we want you to come back in, uh, we want you to come back in, in a month, verify that we fixed them, and then find more so that we can focus on those things that really matter. And they laughed at us, you know, that we, no, there's no way we're going to be able to do that. Uh, we were so booked up, we'll see it in a year. And a lot of organizations, they do their pen tests one time a year, red team one time a year, and that's all that they do, right? So it took them a while to run the, the operation, and then it took like a month for the report. And we started talking about it, Snehal and I, and he's like, well, can we automate any of this? You know, I was a deputy CTO at the time uh, for, for the organization I was in. I was site reliability engineering. Automation was like, that was my jam. If we can automate it and it's going to help save us time because we have limited amount of time, resources, uh, people, time, talent, treasure, we need to automate it. So can, yes, can we automate this? I said, I don't know this. How do you, you know, the, the innovation and the creativity of, um, of, a, of an attacker and turn that into automation? That's going to be really hard. So I sat down and I thought about how would I, as an attacker, approach these problems as situations, vice as an individual thing. And I turned the problem into a data problem. And then here's the situation. Here are the indications of that situation. What data do I need to make the right decision? How do I make a decision? What data do I need to make a decision? That was the approach that I took for the initial uh, prototype. And it worked. 30, 45 days later, I had a, 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 a prototype that did what we said. And Snail said, hey, you're transitioning out. I was getting ready to get out. He said, well, we're going to start a company because everybody needs to have this. So my, my next step after that was to find the right talent. Talent is hugely important. Um, and I needed the expertise on both the attack side because you know, it's attack. And then I also need brilliant software ar architects and engineers and infrastructure engineers to put this whole thing together. Uh, so now we're mostly soft, you know, former nation state, U.S. nation state attackers melded with uh, brilliant engineers and architects. Um, and now we've just closed our series A where we went from two people to, to 30 people and probably double in the next eight to 12 months and pipeline is really starting to pick up the idea and the, this concept of looking at your environment environment from an attacker's perspective is is really starting to show value and and pick up so yeah super excited about that congrats on your your success i think that's huge that i think there's there's not enough companies that really come from the problem statement 
backwards, right? They usually are like, we have really good technology. What do we apply it to? You started where, you know, normal people should start, which is we have a problem. How do we fix it? Now you talked about taking an approach, which you, you, you kind of were subjected to, if you will, this idea of red teaming and automating that red team approach of getting after vulnerabilities and situations, right? If these things are going on or this is happening in the environment, someone can take advantage of that versus just you want to make sure everything's locked up and everything's uh, locked tight, right? That's not the same as making sure you you look at it as a situation. So if you don't mind, help me and, and, and the rest of the viewers kind of walk through what about the red team? You know, and number one, explain if you don't mind the red team concept because I don't know if everybody knows it. But two, talk through in that, that concept of what they did, like some of those specifics like you talked about, situations that they were able to take advantage of versus just controls that everybody else checks, right? Everybody talks about hygiene and cyber hygiene. That's great. But that situation, because look, you know, I don't want to, you know, put more, more fuel on the fire, but the, the colonial hack, right? That just happened. 99.999% guaranteed that was a situational thing, not a, Hey, I didn't really have my firewall port closed the right way. You want to comment on that a little bit? Yeah, we we can we can talk about that for a few minutes. We still don't have, at least I haven't seen since we since I last checked, which is earlier today or yesterday. What was the initial attack vector? They're being very close hold about it. But if you look at all the reports from from them on from other folks who have done assessments within their environment, their hygiene was not very good. And I will tell you that a lot of the things that that we find in environments are not these deep deeply technical, crazy situations that require huge lifts to fix. These are credentials in the clear, information laying around, open S3 buckets, subdomain takeovers. I mean, there are plenty of hygiene that people just forget. And it's and it goes into this idea that technology is sprawling and I need to be in the cloud super fast and I need to stand this thing up super fast. And you miss going back and building the automation. And that's why I was such a proponent of automation because you need to build it with automation from the get-go because now you have everything laid out and built it right one time. And now that just propagates throughout everything else. When people spin up individual VPCs in AWS and it's the marketing, that shadow IT, the marketing organization spun this thing up and IT doesn't know about it, security doesn't know about it, but they don't know what they're doing. You know, those are things that cause a lot of problems. I would wager that the, the Colonial Pipeline, based on what I've seen, was probably a basic cyber hygiene problem. Patch management, configuration, configuration management, it, it's probably going to fall under one of those. Poor password complexity. And it's not even about complexity. I'll, you throw something at me when I go too long because I'll talk about this all day. It's not about password complexity or pass, even password length. Credential attacks are, I think the latest results from the DBIR was like 86% of attacks are based on credential attacks. And if you think about that, why? My password policy is great. Yes, your password policy may be great and the complexity may be right, but is it a keyboard walk? Does it, is it your organization name, uh, one, two, three, bang? Are you checking for those things? You can check off the compliance check mark of my complexity and my password policy is correct, but are you really validating that the, these innovations that attackers are finding 
aren't accessible within your environment. Yeah. So the, you want to go to the red team? Yeah, Ashley, if you don't mind, because I think the red team piece is really important for two reasons. One, I think it's it's foundational to how you guys have kind of experienced how you got here. One, two, not everybody can have or has the uh, the luxury. If you're a small startup or you're a large organization, you don't have the luxury of calling someone and saying, hey, come red team this, come do your, your testing against me. You don't have the time, you don't have the people, and also you know, financially you might not be able to. So if you don't mind, talk about the red team a little bit and then talk about how you, you've kind of taken that concept of doing that and automating it so people can do this not once a year, but continuously, which is really, really important to what you're trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So Red Team, I'll just give a brief overview of Red Team. What Red Team boils down to is assessing your security controls from an attacker's perspective and focusing on the outcomes and not reducing restrictions on them. Because just like, you know, just like I worked with a bunch of Navy folks, love, I love the Navy folks, but you tell them they're at point A and they need to go to point B, you probably don't want to know how they got from A to B, but they will get that outcome. They will get you what you need, right? Red, the red team perspective is that same way. I'm going to look for any path that I can get to, to get to your crown jewels data. How can I disrupt? How can I deny? How can I shut down your revenue stream? How can I shut down your operations? Or how can I implant myself so that I can just Exfil data. How do I spread throughout your environment so that I can, uh, using your defenses against you, can I get access to your vulnerability management and then pick the ones that I want to use? Can I shut it down so I you don't you know, I exclude the stuff that I've already done? Those like out of the box thinking type approaches is what the red team does with the intent of informing defense, which is something that doesn't always happen. There's usually this, this conflict between the defenders and the offensive team because I win as a red team by owning you. I win as a blue team by stopping the red team. But they don't get into this purple culture. It's a fight rather than this cohesive thing where it doesn't matter who wins or who gets owned. The organization wins because our security posture has now improved because we know what that blind spot is. And to talk about organizations that don't have a red team, you are absolutely right. And it's not just, it's expensive. The people, the talent pool of offensive security folks is very, very small. It's a very difficult thing to get. It's not difficult to get into. It's difficult to be good at because you have to dive super deep into the technicals of everything. But even organizations that do have red teams, those teams are still limited and they are human based. So they can only cover so much, just like with a penetration test. I only have so much time to cover so much ground and I'm going to pull on a couple of threads, but there may still be other things in there. So you want to do that on a more recurring basis, but that's expensive. How do you offset that? You offset it by automation. I heard, I, I talk in analogies a lot, which everybody hates, but it's, I saw a movie a long time ago and this guy had this beautiful house and, you know, had a fence and the best alarm system you could buy and the best video monitoring system you could buy and had, you know, an attack dog and all this, that, and the other. And long story short, the way that they got into his house was someone else was walking a dog while his dog sitter was walking the dog and they became friends, right? And they ended up in his house. So to your point, it's it's looking for all those ways that are not just related to the fence or the alarm system. 
any way I can find in your house, I will. And the red team effect is essentially that. How can I get in? Not so much just tripping the alarm system or your video system. You know, how do I get on the inside? Well, I make friends with your, your dog sitter and he walks me right in. So long story short, that red team effect is not something that everybody can do on a continuous basis. So you guys have taken that and essentially bottled it up into a way that they can run it all the time, continuous. Look, the one thing that I think uh, businesses and, and, and agencies are struggling with is, to your point, talent. That's really hard to get. Two, keeping that talent is really, really hard. And then three, your environment changes daily, by the minute, especially with things like DevOps, moving to the cloud, containers. All these things are really driving things at the speed of these hyperscale folks. People can't keep up. Security doesn't keep up. So your concept of this idea of automating that that attack and the defense kind of informing both, almost kind of DevOps the, boat, the whole thing, right? Like keep that cycle working, keep that continuous cycle working. So that's my understanding of it. But here's the other question. How, if people don't have the red teams, but they have a lot of tools, how are they trying and doing this today without having a, a unlimited budget, without having access to a real red team or without having... Uh, the tool set to be able to do this. How do they do this? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy. They don't, you know, they build their defenses the way that they think they need to build their defenses. And then they just wait, <laughs> they, they, they wait for the unknown unknown and hope becomes a strategy. They use penetration testing once a year to cover that compliance checkbox. And then they just wait. And if you think about the longer a one of those weaknesses sits in your environment, the law of probability says it will eventually get attacked, right? So this waterfall approach, you said agile, this waterfall approach to cybersecurity and buying down your cybersecurity debt just grows and grows and grows over time. If you shift to attacking often and attacking early to inform your defenses of where your problems are, then the effect becomes this very iterative approach where you're buying down debt and trying to catch up, keep up, and stay ahead of attackers. And this goes into my the, the, the idea of the economics of an attack. The economics of an attack is an attacker on the criminal side, we'll talk about APT a little bit later, but or we'll talk about um, not so much APT, uh, nation state later, but on the criminal side, their intent is to gain value, extract value from your organization, whether that's direct transfer of money or stealing your IP and selling it to somebody else. A criminal organization who has built a service, they have marketing, they have sales folks. That's how these people work now. They're like, ain't nobody gonna catch us, so we'll just sell this as a service. That's how that worked, right? So it's about extracting value out of other organizations by leveraging their weaknesses. How do they do it? As easily as possible. So if you are focusing on these critical vulnerabilities that don't make sense in your environment, you're fixing things that don't matter. If you don't prioritize, what we do is we prioritize those weaknesses based on what attackers are going to leverage right now so that you can then, as you fix those and clean those things up, you're now shifting the economics of an attack because the attackers are like, well, okay, well, I, I tried the easy stuff. I tried the little bit harder stuff. I'm even trying these kind of chains, but I can't get to that anymore. Oh man, if I want to get value out of this company, I have to burn one of my zero days. Is it worth that? 
nope, it's not worth that. It's not worth any more time. I'm going to move on to the next guy. It's different than buying down debt where you take, you keep buying, you know, you snowball the amount of things that you're, that you're paying off. It's the opposite of that. The big chunks, the easy stuff first, buy that down quickly and then focus on cleaning up everything else. It's like if you are in a car accident and you broke your pinky, but you're not breathing, which one do you want fixed first? Breathing, right. So I'm going to jump into the um, the main kind of thing. And by the way, we try to keep this short form. I, I hope that we can do a longer form version of this where we can really, really dive deep because this is not an easy subject for a lot of people. A lot of people do ignore this and, and not because they want to, because they don't have a good... People typically ignore things because they don't have a good plan for them, right? It's not because they don't want to do them. They just don't have a plan. They don't know how to get to the other side. So I think you guys have a very compelling offering, not just from the product side, but the actual service, because you can do this as a service. So from kind of the last question, and this is the hard one, but this is the one that I really want to get to is the so what, right? Why should people care about automating this and automating it in this fashion and not just all the things that they already do in cyber? Because I think that's the other issue that people are running to cyber is that they're exhausted. They're already doing so many different things but your value proposition is very clear cut. It's very upfront. So give me the so what in your terms and why should people care? There's there's a couple different ways I can go about this. Uh, here, here's what I'll do. I'll boil it down to this. If you don't use offense to inform defense, you've already lost. If you you don't shift the economics in a, of, of an attack back in your favor by prioritizing what matters first, you've already lost. If you don't build automation across all of those things, you've already lost. And if you don't use Horizon 3 AI, you've already lost because we're the only ones really doing this. And it's all about context and understanding how do these problems, how do these problems affect my organization? That's why looking at the criticals first doesn't make sense. That's like a base score. You have to do the analysis and understand why does it matter for me and my organization. If you read the news, OPM, Colonial Pipeline, SolarWinds. If SolarWinds was using my product right now, we would have identified that problem. We had an operation. I know we're running out of time, and I'll tell you, walk through this real fast. We ran an operation and a review with, a, with an organization. 52% of their passwords were organization name 123Bang. 52% of their users were using the same password. Nobody knew, and it met their password complexity requirement. Policy's not going to catch that. It's not going to catch that. Code Cove, the DC, the most recent DC police thing. I, I didn't get a chance to see what the what the attack vector was there, but it's and, and don't even get me started about the healthcare organization and how I feel really bad for them. Call me. We have solutions. What I my takeaways are. Use offense to inform defense. I think this is this is probably something that people don't think about enough. Is like, you know, put yourself on the other side. How would you do this? And use all those areas to then inform how to protect yourself. Right? We do this in probably everything else, but we forget about it in in how we look at cyber for an organization. So that's huge. Shifting the economics. People again don't think about that enough. They're like, well, if I check off all those stuff on the list that's critical, then I should be good. To your point it doesn't work that way, right? It's, it's, it's not those things that are usually biting you in the, in the rear end at the end. And then automating, I think that human side of things, I wish we had 
tens of thousands of people that were trained to do this on a given, on any given day on an ongoing basis. But even then, right? And this is the power of automation. Even then you will miss stuff because the speed of change, the speed of how technology is growing doesn't lend itself to humans being able to do this effectively over and over and over again. So I think you guys have a very, very compelling argument. So the, so what for me is those three things, right? It's the the, and I'll say it again, use offense to inform defense, change the economics, buy down that debt quickly, and then get to those things that are really, really critical or really gonna hurt you and then figure out the rest of it. And then the last part is automate and so you can do this over and over again in a consistent, consistent way. So again, I think you guys have changed how at least I viewed cyber and how I viewed at least this aspect of helping customers, agencies, companies, I, I wish you guys the best. I think you're going to do really, really well, Tony. Honestly, thank you for joining. Thank you for taking the time. For everybody who's watching, the only thing I can ask is for comments and feedback, right? We'd love to hear kind of feedback, comments on what you heard. If you want to hear more, I, everybody wants to hear more from Tony. So we'll definitely have him back on. For everybody else who's watching, I appreciate it. Thank you for your time.